Welcome to Going Deeper from Tabernacle Baptist Church in Richmond's historic Fan District. This podcast is a supplement to our ongoing discernment dialogue as we explore what God has in store for our congregation and the Universal Church. We invite you to listen each week as we share thoughts, articles, questions, and ideas about our discernment process. As you feel led, we welcome you to respond by connecting with our pastoral staff. This week, our associate pastor, Meg Lacey Vega, will talk with us about church size. Hey, Tabernacle family. This is Meg Lacey Vega here with this week's installment of the Discernment Podcast. Um, today, I'm going to talk to you just a little bit about church size. Um, it seems like kind of a weird topic, doesn't it? Like, is this really an important thing to be talking about? Uh, maybe it helps if I share a little bit about my own background. Um, when I was an undergrad at Samford, I worked uh, very closely with a professor who was a sociologist of religion and uh, really well known in the area of congregational studies, which studies congregations um, and tries to learn you know, how they function and how we can better equip clergy and all of that kind of stuff. So um, in seminary, we think about people learning um, biblical studies and theology, maybe some ancient languages, Greek or Hebrew, and those things are all really important. Um, but so is understanding how churches actually work um, from a sociological perspective. So I have a little bit of background in this, and obviously I have uh, a vested interest in churches understanding themselves, having some um, kind of self-reflection uh, on these topics because they really do help us better understand who we are. It's a little bit like, um, as individuals, us using Myers-Briggs or the Enneagram to better understand our personality, because that helps us see more clearly how we function in the world and helps us discern who we want to be instead of who we default as. Um, and so this is kind of a similar thing, uh, this, this idea of church size. So there are four primary sizes that we talk about. Um, and I'm going to run through them real quick, and then I'm going to go into each one in a little bit more detail. So each of these is based on active membership. So the, the first is family-sized congregations, which have an active membership of under 75 people. The second is the pastoral-sized congregation, which has an active membership of between 75 and 200 to 250. Uh, different researchers use different numbers here, but it's always between 200 and 250 is kind of the cap on the pastoral size congregation. Uh, the third is the program size congregation, which is 200 to 800. Um, lots of churches like Tabernacle kind of fall in this weird gray area between the pastoral size and the program size church. And that's a really hard transition to make. And we'll talk a little bit about why that is in a minute. Um, and then there's the largest types of congregation, resource congregations, which are 800 members plus, and even, you know, multi-mega churches. I'm thinking about um, Church of the Resurrection in Kansas City that has something like uh, 18,000 members. It's the largest United Methodist church in the world. Um, even they function as a resource church, um, but they are kind of duplicating the resource model, which hopefully you'll understand um, more what I mean by that by the time we get to the end of this. So 
these four sizes, family, pastoral, program, and resource, um, they do things differently. So their energy goes in different directions. For example, in a pastoral sized church, the energy is mostly going toward the pastor. In a family sized church, the energy is connected to one another and the relationships between people. In a program sized church, the energy is going toward the programs, etc. cetera. Uh, they're also different in terms of their complexity. So um, if you were to draw each of these is kind of a diagram of circles. Um, the complexity of the circles is going to change. So in the smallest, the family-sized church, there's just one big circle. But then if you get up to the resource-sized church, there's going to be a big circle with like 50 circles within it. There's some concentric circles and then there are groups of circles because people organize themselves differently based on how many people are present. Uh, there are also differences in terms of staff leadership and lay leadership responsibilities and decision-making. There are differences in communication and how um, newcomers find their way into the congregation and all sorts of other things. So I'll be talking a little bit about each of those for each of these size churches as we go through. So the family size church. Uh, as I said before, under 75 active members. Um, if you were to draw this out in a circle, it would just be one big circle with some smaller circles um, in within the larger circle representing different families. So these are churches where the relational ties between people are the most important thing. Um, there might be a circle that represents the pastor in the family size diagram, but it's going to be kind of off to the side because the pastor is the shepherd of um, this, this small organization of really connected people. So decision-making in a family-sized church often happens through key families or even a key family, and then conflict ends up looking sort of like family feuds. Um, when communication is happening here, it's very informal. And as I said, the pastor's role is as shepherd. Um, so not really necessarily as leader, the, the people, the core group um, of this church, they are the ones really casting vision. And the pastoral role is to shepherd people um, alongside uh, that vision. The way that this church grows, how people come into the fold in a family church is through the attraction to the warm relationships and also also through, you know, maybe one or two key families within the church that are always kind of funneling uh, their friends into the space or people that they encounter. So that's the family size church. The pastoral size church, um, as I said before, is 75 active members to around 200 to 250 active members. Um, you can tell by the name that this is more pastor-centered, right? It's not um, as connected to each other, like the people are not as connected to each other, the primary point of connection is really the pastor. So in a visual model of this church, there's, you know, maybe a circle, a big circle with some smaller circles within it, but the pastor is that very middle circle and all of the lines of connection radiate out from the pastor. So here, decision-making um, still can happen from key families, but also begins to get more formalized. Um, the pastor obviously has a lot of influence in this size, and the conflict that arises tends to be over the pastor's attention and priorities. 
Here, communication becomes more formal and the pastor's role is much more leadership oriented. So there's still some shepherding involved, but it's also much more about um, vision casting and being the kind of hub that keeps people together. This church grows um, through people coming to know the pastor. (laughs) So people get to know the pastor and just genuinely enjoy that person and that's often how they find their way into the church or maybe they come visit but really it doesn't feel like they are you know deeply invested as a member until they've had like a coffee date with the pastor so as opposed to the family-sized church where um, you could you know be deeply invested in the life of the church and really not know the pastor very well at all because your primary connection points are with other families uh, within the church In this model, the pastor really is, in some ways, the gatekeeper to people um, going deeper. So there's kind of a transitional space between the pastoral-sized church and the program-sized church that I want to address. As I said before, it is really difficult for churches to make uh, a transition between a pastoral-centered to a program-sized church, even though a lot of churches live in that kind of weird space of like between 200 and 300 active members. Um, And so there there are just a few notes about the transitional space that I want to share. when churches are kind of in that weird category, maybe like maybe 175 active members to 250 active members, um, they are not really the pastoral size and they're also not really the program size yet. And so they end up being this weird amalgamation of the two. They um, are often staff stretched. Uh, We're familiar with that here at Tabernacle. Um, And then if you were kind of drawing the the circle of this church, it would also feel like all of the little cells are kind of stretched because new groups are forming and subgroups are needed, um, especially in the realm of decision-making. There's an increased need for staff decision-making here, but often that's not been formalized yet. And so that leads to an increased conflict between the staff and the congregation. Um, There's also conflict over inclusion and identity, um, kind of who we are now, because this is a a scary pivot for a church to make. Um, And sometimes there's conflict over information and communication because communication strategies become more and more formal. uh, But for those who are really relying on something less formal, on informal communication, on word of mouth, it becomes harder to know what's going on. Um, this is a time when churches are often needing to add new staff, but they can't always afford that yet. And often when there's like a shifting leadership structure, because there might've been a structure that was in place for decision-making and that no longer makes sense. And so they're having to come up with, you know, what, what makes the most sense now as a decision-making process, some kind of subgroup, um, a, a different role for the boards, et cetera people come into that kind of transition space um, either through the pastor or through a small group. So maybe they don't know the pastor that well at all, but they have gotten connected to a small group within the life of the church and that becomes their uh, kind of family cell. So the next size is the program church. As I said, it's around 200 to 250 up to 800. And um, this is a 
a group-centered congregation. So the energy here isn't toward the family, the entire congregation, and it isn't toward the pastor. It's towards small groups. So each of these kind of function as a house church. They tend to um, have anywhere between 10 and 40 people in the smaller groups. And assimilation into these groups is the key of um, these churches growing and functioning healthily. So if you were to look at maybe a diagram of this that would be a circle, it would have all of these sub-circles in between. Um, and then even the staff itself would function as its own sub-circle, its own kind of house church size group where the staff are getting um, spiritually nourished and building relationships together. And then each of them are responsible for helping spiritual nourishment and relationships build in circles outside of their circle. Um, and there's kind of a trickle down effect. Um, Decision-making processes here tend to look like boards um, or other types of very formal governance. Committees have significant power. Um, it can be like a deacon board or a vestry. And often at this point, the staff know more about the church than the members. And so that can become a real source of conflict uh, because the staff are the ones that have kind of the high level view, um, but the members are still often uh, filling boards that are making decisions. And so it becomes really difficult to figure out, you know, who, who really should be making decisions and how do we discern together well. Um, conflict in program-sized churches tends to be over resources and priorities, almost always resources and priorities. So where do we put our money and uh, what are the ministries that we're really putting our energy behind? Um, because every subgroup might have their thing they're interested in, but the church still has to have a unifying strategy. The pastoral role in the program-sized church moves from that sort of shepherding leadership role uh, that we saw in the family and in the pastoral size. Um, in this program-sized church, the staff role really becomes much more administrative. So the staff grows. Um, the leaders of the staff represent various communities within the church, so like children's ministry and youth ministry um, and senior adult ministry. And there's too much work to be handled by a small board, and so there often becomes you know, influential leadership teams or committees with power and often lay leadership approve uh, staff ideas and there's kind of this different flow of information here. The pastor is definitely the vision caster, the strategist, the administrator, the delegator. Um, the pastoral energy here instead of going directly to members of the congregation moves toward training, supporting, equipping, supervising, and developing pastoral staff and key leaders. There's a danger in this, um, this size church of uh, staff basically just micromanaging. And we, I think we've probably all seen that happen in different churches that we've been involved in. Um, this congregation size grows uh, by creating new physical spaces and facilities. Often um, program-sized churches cap out their growth maybe at 400 or 450 or 500 because their facilities just can't uh, handle more than that. And so the way that this that this that this uh, program sized church grows into a resource or a corporate sized church is by building a new building basically so the next size up the resource or corporate size which is 800 people or more uh, strangely enough becomes pastor centered again but the pastor doesn't know individual people obviously you can't know you know 800 to 15,000 people as one person um, but that kind of um, the pastor's personality 
uh, takes on a very important role and is a way that people feel connected and often what draws people into the church, maybe hearing the sermons or listening to them on podcasts or something like that. Um, here, the pastor's role, though, is really like CEO of operations. And um, the governance, the decision-making bodies are the staff in this size congregation. Um, there's often conflict here between program units. Um, so, you know, different types of programs and different staff and um, communication is very formal and super redundant because people are trying to say the same message over and over in order to make sure that all 800 to 15,000 of those people hear. So um, that's the four sizes of church, family, pastoral, program, and resource or corporate. And I just want to offer a couple of questions for reflection here. My guess is you're already thinking about, you know, where does our church fall in this? Where does Tabernacle fall? And how does knowing this information help us discern better? Uh, so maybe to add to that would be just a question about what do we think success looks like? So effective ministry, meaningful ministry looks different for each of these sizes. And I think it can get... Um, it can get hard, I think, to determine like what are our goals. And so having a sense of our size helps us determine maybe what effective ministry for us means and how we how we might define success. So that's my first question. The next is what kind of staff and decision making bodies do we need for the size of church that we are? Um, I think that we've wrestled with this since I've been here. You know, what is the role of the staff? What are the role of the boards? Um, and probably even before I got here. And we're in this pandemic time, so we have this, you know, smaller structure of boards and staff relationships and all of that. And it seems like a good time for us to be, you know, asking the question based on our size and based on our needs, what makes the most sense? And then third, is growth always the goal? So I told you how each of these um, size churches grow into the next level, but I don't know that growth is always the goal. I can't help but think about the Israelites. You know, they were God's chosen people, and they were not the Babylonians or the Assyrians, which would have been the big major powers of their day. Um, they were this small, you know, makeshift, rough and tumble bunch. And I often think that God is working through the small communities just as much, maybe even more as the large communities. Um, well over half of the congregations in the United States are actually family-sized congregations. So that's under 75 active members. Um, so we should not diminish the um, impact that small communities have. And even as we're looking at who we are, um, it shouldn't always be about, well, how do we get to the next level? It should be about who is God calling us to be now and how do we best use the resources that we have now? Um, and how do we communicate with one another and make decisions together and navigate conflict the best we can now? I hope that you'll spend some time thinking about these questions, maybe even discussing them in a group that you're in in the coming uh, week. And I'd like to close us with a brief word of prayer. God, thank you for being present and active with your people in all shapes and sizes that we come as individuals and as communities. You have given us each a different role to play in your work. 
We're not all meant to be the same congregation. There's no one version of success. God, help us to clear out space to listen to who you are calling us as tabernacle to be and to become. Help us to listen to one another well and to find your voice among us and within us and to trust it to guide us on this journey. Thank you for listening to Going Deeper. If you would like to respond to this week's episode, please reach out to our pastoral staff. You can find their contact information and updates from the church at tbcrichmond.org. Go in peace.